once in a while to put a message together, but this week's been especially tough because I lost a friendship this week. And so I've lost friends. Uh, this week, Brenda lost her friend Jan. You know, Corey lost a friend of his, his father, this week. And so I lost my father a few months ago. Losing a friend to death is a little different than losing a friend to disagreement. Losing a friend to death is just, death is just passing from one place to another. It's a uh, promotion. But losing a friend to disagreements is difficult to do. And so a lot of this week, I've really spent being consumed with that. Normally on a week, uh, I, I read different books, scripture, I listen to podcasts. That's how, how I would uh, develop a message. Sometimes I get inspiration from you guys and something you send me. And so sometimes there's a, a holiday there. So that's the kind of stuff I use when I try to put a message together. And throughout different parts of the week, I'll get inspiration from something I hear or read. And then you kind of put it all together, you know, a little bit of prayer in there to try to develop something to just bring some encouragement and inspiration to some of you guys. But this week, for myself, I've been just consumed and bathed in trying to um, save a friendship. And at the end of the day, just uh, I wasn't able to do that. And so yesterday, you know, I get home from work. I still have nothing for today. Get home from work like I always do and just do my thing, you know, uh, park my jeep go get the mail which is usually disappointing it's just a box of disappointment i don't know why i keep <laughs> going back to that thing but i'm a glutton for punishment so you know and you just uh not, that was my friday i uh, take a shower eat dinner and then i sat down last night really with uh, like uh, no direction on even what to speak about today So I thought, well, I'm going to turn to Torah and this week's Torah portion and just see if I can grab any uh, something. Maybe something's going to jump out at me or something's going to help me with this crazy week that I've just had. So I want to read a little bit from it that I kind of thought that uh, spoke to me a little bit. It's Bereshit chapter 20. The one spot that Barb didn't hit this week in her readings... That's what I'm reading. Go figure. Bereshit chapter 20 it is on page ooh, 19. Salute. Bereshit chapter 20, verse 1. Avraham traveled from there towards the Negev, and lived between Kadesh and Shur, while living as an alien in Gerar. Abraham was saying of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister, to Avimelech, the king of Gerar. So Everek, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. So here Abraham's passing off Sarah as his sister, not his wife. So Avimelech sends for her. But God came to Avimelech in a dream one night and said to him, you are about to die because the woman you have taken, since she is someone's wife. Now, Avimelech had not come near her, so he says, Lord, will you kill even an upright nation? 
didn't he himself say to me, she's my sister? And even she herself said, he's my brother. In doing this, my heart has been pure and my hands innocent. God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that in doing this, your heart's been pure, and I too have kept you from sinning against me. That's why I didn't let you touch her. Therefore, return the man's wife to him now. He's a prophet, and he will pray for you so that you will live. But if you don't return her, know that you will certainly die, you and all those who belong to you. So Avimelech got up early in the morning, called all his servants, and told them these things, and they became very afraid. Then Avimelech called Avraham and said to him, What have you done to us? Have I sinned against you? Have I sinned against you to cause you to bring on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done things to me that are just not done. Avimelech went on, asking Abraham, Whatever could have caused you to do such a thing? And Abraham replied, Well, it was because I thought there could not possibly be any fear of God in this place, so they will kill me in order to get my wife. But she actually is also my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, so she became my wife. When God had me leave my father's house, I told her, do me this favor, wherever we go, say about me, he is my brother. Avimelech took sheep, cattle, and male and female slaves, and he gave them to Avraham, and, and uh, he returned to him Sarah, his wife. Then Avimelech said, look, my country lies before you, live wherever you like. To Sarah, he said, here I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. That will allay the suspicion of everyone who is with you. Before everyone, you are cleared. Avraham prayed to God, and God healed Avimelech and his wife and the slave girls so that they could have children. For Adonai had made every woman in Avimelech's household infertile on account of Sarah, Avraham's wife. Now, the Kumash teaches that Avimelech was a righteous king by the standards of the time, and his kingdom was a well a law-abiding kingdom by the standards when you compare it to Egypt. So the Kumash teaches that this Avimelech, King Avimelech, is actually a pretty nice guy. Now, these guys probably weren't friends, but they were both leaders, and they both, throughout this narrative here, thought they were doing the right thing. Abraham thought he was doing the right thing by lying about his, a half-lie, half-truth, right, about his wife to protect them, and Avimelech thinks he's doing good because he's elevating Sarah up to the status of queen by marrying her. Sweet side's trying to do something good here. But in the end, it almost gets them killed, and they're not doing the right thing. It almost gets Avimelech killed. So even the great patriarchs and great men of the past are subject to error when they're trying to do good. And maybe even more so, we're at risk of that. So reading this was a little helpful to me. As I analyze my, friend, my broken friendship, I find myself thinking, have I done anything similar? Uh, I try to do good. I try to be above reproach. But I know that I stumble as well. Perhaps I could have handled something differently, um, even if what I thought I did was a good thing, right? So self-reflection is always a good exercise, but I was still seeking something more from the Spirit, so I was praying for revelation. 
And I began to think about friendship in general. I thought about David and Jonathan, and it had been a while since I read through that part of Scripture. I began to think it had been probably months since I even cracked open the book of Samuel. So I thought, I'm going to go to the book of Samuel and just read a little bit about the friendship between David and Jonathan to see if there's anything there that, that pops out to me. So I opened my Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 18. If you care to follow along, it's on page 318 in the Stearns. Or it's 1 Samuel chapter 18. Let's see if I got the page numbers right. Uh, 318, yes. 1 Samuel 18. So I'm going to read just a little bit here from 1 Samuel 18. Verse 1. By the time David had finished speaking to Shaul, that's King Saul, Jehonatan, which is Jonathan, found himself inwardly drawn by David's character so that Jonathan loved him uh, as he did himself. That day, Shaul took David into his service and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Jehonatan made a covenant with David because he loved him as he did himself. Jehonatan removed the cloak he was wearing and gave it to David, his armor too, including his sword, bow, and belt. David would go out, and no matter where Shaul sent him, he was successful. So Shaul put him in charge of the fighting men. All the people thought it good, and so did Shaul's servants. So David's doing pretty good here. But let's examine that first verse a little bit closely. Jonathan there finds himself drawn by David's character, right? So let's dwell on that for a moment. Dwelling on someone's character is that inward part of them. That's how you foster real love as you read through here. I mean, when you met your spouse, that's not real love. When you fought, it's love at first sight. That's not love. You're looking at the outside, the beautiful hair, or his dreamy eyes, right? This isn't love. We just call it love, falling in love. But it's not until after you get to know somebody, their character, what's on the inside of them, that you really develop love. And so here, King, King Saul, I'm sure he has tons of warriors. He has a whole army, big, strong warriors. And of course, David's not a very big guy. But it's his character that really drew Jonathan in. And I think we're drawn towards that. We like people who we think are virtuous, right, who have good character. We try and keep the company of people who have high character. As disciples of Yeshua, I think this would be natural. And so my friend has good character, and that's what drew me to want me to be his friend in the first place. So, you know, the self-reflection again hits. Is there something wrong in my character, or did I stumble and my virtues somehow? Was I not virtuous enough in some way? The verse continues, and Jonathan loved him as he loved himself. Now, that's very familiar language, right? We say it after the Shema. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now the word, laraka, your neighbor, has a two-letter shorish. It's a two-letter root. Resh ayin. It means neighbor. That word appears about 200 times in the Tanakh. And for about half of them, it's translated as neighbor when you chase them all down and start to look at them. 
But for about 50 to 60 of, 50 to 60 of them, it's translated as friend. So you could say, love your friend as you love yourself. That may sound redundant. You might be thinking to yourself, well, if it's a friend, of course I love them, or they wouldn't be my friend. But especially in our culture, love and friendship aren't always necessarily equated. We have superficial friends, right? It's strange for one male friend to say to another male friend, I love you. You know what I mean? Mark, I love you. Doesn't that sound weird? Isn't, I mean, generally, you just don't do that kind of thing. So when I started thinking about love, did I love my friends, did I love myself? I mean, there is a reason that Yeshua mentions this as one of the two greatest commandments. Love I don't I with all your heart, right? That's the first commandment. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the second of the two greatest commandments. To love your friend means you'll have to dwell on their character. This is the pattern we see here with Jonathan and with David. If you focus on their virtues and not on your weaknesses, you'll develop that love that's that inward type of love. We all have weaknesses, right? If we focused on them, none of us would have any friends. But we focus on the good, and that's what draws us near to each other. This is how our love for each other grows. So was I focusing on his virtues, or was I focusing on his, his weaknesses? Did I perceive him as focusing on my virtues or focusing on my weaknesses? I mean, we all have weaknesses, and we all sin. And this is what basically leads to disagreement. So when, when this leads to offense among friends, the friends are at a crossroads here, right? Both have a chance to, to negotiate the disagreement in a couple different ways. The best way, of course, to negotiate any problem among brothers should be done in view of Scripture, obviously. There are some foundational rules that should always be considered, should always be like a filter in your mind that you run stuff through when you begin to find yourself upset. One of them is in 1 Peter chapter 4. I'd like you to take a look at that, page 1519. 1519 in your sterns, or 1 Peter chapter 4 is where I'm heading. 1519. And many of you are probably very familiar with this, but I found it helpful last night, just reading through it. Chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. The accomplishing of the goal of all things is close at hand. Therefore, Keep alert and self-controlled so that you can pray. More than anything, keep loving each other actively because love covers many sins. Keep loving each other actively. It's like a... It's not just keep loving each other, but be keep loving each other actively. There's some motion going on there. There's some kind of activity that needs to happen besides just saying I love you. And I think that part of that activity is how you look and perceive the other person. Are you looking at their weaknesses or are you trying to look at their virtues? 
because everyone has weaknesses. But to love actively is more than just to be around each other and say hi once in a while. It's, uh, there's more of an effort there, it seems like, to love actively. The NESB has a great translation. It says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Keep fervent about that love, not just love, but be fervent about loving someone, your brother. Because we all do things that offend someone. We're only human. Sometimes we may offend each other. I think that's inevitable. But if we're careful to actively love one another, if we're fervent for our love, then we should be able to manage those offenses. Keep loving each other actively. This keeps us from holding grudges and from developing hard feelings that allows you to let stuff go. And love isn't an option that's commanded over and over in Scripture. Scripture legislates your emotions. It just, it's, there's no getting around that. And I still love my friend. Even after all the disagreement I've experienced recently, I still long for reconciliation. That's what love is. So, you know, where do I go from here? I mean, is there a lesson that can be learned from this? I mean, there should be. You do go through life and good things happen, you know, Baruch Hashem, but when the bad things happen, if you don't learn from them on some level, you're either bound to repeat them or you missed an opportunity to improve yourself. And I think it really comes down to love. We have to be sure and be active in that love, be active in how we are loving and engaging our friendships. See here at Tree of Life, certainly. We all sin, but we need to make sure that we're fervent in our love for each other to maintain friendships and avoid a situation where um, something snowballs into something more destructive because there is going to be things between us that come up because we're humans and that's just what happens, but the love that covers sins should take that grudge away. It should erase that grudge. Because if that love that covers many sins isn't there, then grudges can snowball. And we pray for revelation. We pray that Adonai reveals truth to us, that he helps guide us, and that we need on our part as well to be aware of that. You know, Avimelech, he received revelation to help him avoid calamity. It came to him in a dream, right? Adonai came to him in a dream. You better listen to me. You better give Sarah back to Abraham. Avimelech woke up, and he paid attention to that dream. Now, it might not be a dream for us. We may receive revelation in many other different ways. Sometimes something, you open your Bible, and just because something sticks out, like how that happened, that it randomly opened to this page or you're listening to a podcast and something just really speaks to the situation you're in, you need to be uh, aware all the time that the Spirit is trying to send you messages. Sometimes it's not as, uh, it would be nice if it was just a loud, booming voice from above, but it's just not always that way. So we need to seek Him. We need to be active in love, we need to seek out an eye, and we need to really always be on the lookout for revelation that would give us course correction during times of trial. Reconciliation, you can think of it in another way as the reestablishment of active love. That's something that I long for. It may not happen today or tomorrow, 
maybe in a few months or a year or two. It's hard to say. But my love for him remains, and even if reconciliation isn't in this kingdom, it's still coming, because if you have hope for a coming kingdom, we're all going to be in that kingdom, and we're all going to be getting along there under one king. So eventually, whether everyone likes it or not, there is going to be reconciliation. It's just a matter of when. And so that's my hope. And at the end of the day, I think that's just where we're at, and the rest is in Adonai's hands. So I'd like to uh, I'll close with one, more, with one more passage. I'd like to close by reading from the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, page 1472. 1472, I will close with this. Let's see here, where was I at? Okay, right there. Colossians chapter 3. This was very helpful to me as well. Reading through this last night, and after I read through this, I thought, okay, I think I can go to bed. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with feelings of compassion and with kindness and humility gentleness and patience. Bear with one another. If anyone has a complaint against someone else, forgive him. Indeed, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Above all these, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together perfectly. And let the shalom, the peace, which comes from the Messiah, be your heart's decision maker, for this is why you were called to be part of a single body. And be thankful. Let the word of the Messiah in all its richness live in you as you teach and counsel each other in all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude to God in your hearts. That is, everything you do or say, do in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks through him, to God the Father. Shabbat Shalom.